0: The big work that philanthropy has to do is in organizing other philanthropists to understand the importance of undoing this current system so that we can actually innovate. For putting philanthropists' feet to the fire around what it means to make long-term commitments to this work, understanding and really deepening their commitment, and then also partnering, 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 partnering with people who know the work, who are doing the work every day.
1: Welcome to Sheeo.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from Sheeo Venture Founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Please sit back and be prepared to be inspired. Welcome, Wakumi, it's amazing to have you here today. Welcome to Sheeo.World podcast.
0: It's a pleasure to be here, Vicki.
1: So I often start with this question. Did you always want to create the organization that you are running right now? How did you get involved in this?
0: Yeah, I didn't choose to do work around girls of color. The work chose me um, and just kept choosing me over a period of years. I kept having these instances where I was being called into being a voice and an advocate for girls of color, which... I am one, right, as a Black woman, Um, but I never felt like it was my passion or my calling. It just kept, like, girls of color work, advocacy, policy brief writing, like, speaking on behalf of girls just kept showing up in my life, and it became clear in 2013 that, okay, this is the work that I'm supposed to be doing, so I answered the call.
1: Talk to us about what does Soul Sisters Leadership Collective do? What's the problem it's solving? What's the work it's doing
0: daily? Yeah, Soul Sisters Leadership Collective does work to mobilize systems involved, girls and non-binary youth of color around the issues of state violence and community violence, poverty, and all forms of oppression. And we're really concerned about what... We observe to be a crisis in our community, in our, in our nation and globally um, around what girls of color, indigenous girls, girls in the, in the global south and non-binary youth who um, we're learning more and more about are experiencing, one, in the legal system as the fastest growing prison population, two, in terms of violence as being most more likely than white girls to experience sexual violence, in terms of mental health, being more likely to attempt suicide, um, girls of color are. In terms of unemployment, even right now, girls of color are experiencing higher unemployment rates than the overall youth unemployment rate, right? So the disproportionalities are really staggering. We've seen in Indigenous communities, the missing and murdered Indigenous women's community, the same thing is happening in the black community. We have black girls going missing left and right. Um, and we, we can't we don't know where they are. We can't find them. I mean in terms of sex trafficking, in terms of pretty much any ind- social well-being indicator, girls of color are experiencing hardship. And I think we hold that along with, one, girls are, and Black women are the fastest growing demographic in entrepreneurship. There's a rich, rich, rich history of girls and women of color leading social movements, right? So a lot of the freedoms and rights that we enjoy today were won because girls and women of color stepped onto the front lines, put our bodies um, on the front lines, our reputations, put everything at risk to be able to fight for our people and our communities every time. We're always the ones doing it. We're doing it now. It makes me tearful because while girls and women of color have experienced so much hardship, there's also so much hope. That just it's like we can't help, we, like we can't help but have hope. It's it's almost like we need the hope to feed us so that we can survive and thrive every day, and it pushes us to step into leadership and to be thinking about how can we support our people. In accessing well-being and freedom by any and all means, including entrepreneurship, which is what brings Soul Sisters into the CEO space,
1: it's just unbelievable to witness over and over. Just that one of the things that we've learned on our Indigenous Women calls that we do every week—we used to do one-word check-ins. Now we never do one-word check-ins anymore. We do like the two, right? The spectrum that you are holding from the violence and the injustice to the hope and the potential and the possibilities as you just went through the list of here, all the things that we are burdened with in a not proportional way (laughs) compared to the rest. And then here all the ways that we're just like stepping through to lead. I love entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs are my people. Uh, I love the spirit of this sort of courageous, brave individual who steps into their leadership. Something doesn't work for me here. I'm going to do something about it. I just love that vibe and would do anything to support it. And I wonder have you noticed a difference over the last couple of years? You've been doing this work for a while. The spirit that is inside people, is, is that growing to create change in the world through entrepreneurship?
0: Yes. What I'm observing amongst girls of color, black girls and girls of color is the spirit of resistance, just the spirit of no, like just the spirit of we're not, no, this is not okay. We're not going to keep acting like this is okay. Um, no. No. There are lots of different ways that that spirit of resistance manifests itself. And I think one of them um, has been in entrepreneurship, young young people saying, you know, I'm not just going to wait for some McDonald's job or (laughs) for some job that is a dead end job. I actually am a really talented artist or I'm really interested in lip gloss. And so... I'm going to just um, make some bracelets, or make some lip gloss, or or sell some candy or some chips, and figure out another way um, to be able to access funds and fight the poverty um, that my my family is facing. It's one a spirit of resistance, and I'll I'll also say our people have always done this. You know, I just uh, people of color because of the historic economic disenfranchisement of our people from the beginning, from the times of enslavement and reconstruction and Jim Crow. And historically, our people have always been on the outside of the central means for accessing wealth and economic stability. And so we've always done this. We've always leveraged our talents and what we know our community needs and wants, like our understanding of the market, right? We've always understood the market. We're like, what can I make a buck on, right? Um, and, and the truth is, the thing that's so unfortunate is the negative things that are in our community, the drug trafficking, the gun trafficking. What's unfortunate is that there aren't more entrepreneurship programs in our communities to, to funnel those people who are doing that, which is harmful to our communities, and stop. And there are some skills in there that I wish we had more capacity to redirect. Those folks who are selling drugs and selling guns and selling things that are harming our communities could just as easily be some of the leading entrepreneurs. Um, and, and even if we're thinking about the drugs, like when we're looking at what's happening with marijuana and how uh, our people who have been selling marijuana for all these years have faced so many criminal charges and so, much, so, many, so, so many of the nation's punitive measures, while now white folks are getting rich off of marijuana, it's just wild. So just thinking about like the point that I'm trying to make is entrepreneurship has always existed in communities of color because we've needed it to survive. What I'm seeing now is we're just leaning into it more, being more bold, speaking out against being on the outside of venture capital and other resources for our work and seeking to really be able to be included in the mainstream game.
1: Do you have um, any favorite stories that have emerged Of young women that you've worked with who sort of stepped in and directed their creative energies towards things that are creating a better world?
0: Yes. I mentioned lip gloss. There is a young woman, her name is Saskia, and she has this awesome lip gloss brand, um, lip gloss and eyelashes brand. In Black girl culture right now, the false eyelashes are a whole thing. (laughs) They're loving it. They're glamorizing themselves and beautifying in the way that feels good to them. And I love to see it. And she just noticed that like young women were really hungry for lashes and lip glosses and beauty items um and she has a passion for makeup and and design and we did a black our very first black girls design camp which was you were the little you were the push for vicky (laughs) Um, it was so successful and she actually Outfitted the girls when they did their their culminating fashion show with their designs that they made. She outfitted them in lashes and lip gloss, and it was like it was a frenzy. People were like, the girls were like, "Where's my, where's my stuff?" They were so excited not only to have the products but also to have to be supporting a 17 year old girl who had somehow figured out, I actually don't know how she figured out how to get her own lashes line. I have to call her and ask her. They were amazed that she had taken the initiative to get them what they really wanted. What I think is so special about that is because she is a Black girl, she knows what Black girls want, you know? And so she's best suited to be providing it to them. It just makes sense. You know, it's logical. Totally. I mean, when we're shoulder
1: to shoulder with our customers and our people. That's when the design of our work is really amazing. I was thinking of the Black Girls Design Camp and the work that you're doing around
0: fashion for social justice. Do you want to talk a little bit about that initiative that you've got going? For sure. Soul Sisters Leadership Collective does a lot of things. We do leadership development programs for girls and non-binary youth in lots of different settings. We do organizing and advocacy work and technical assistance, professional development. We also have initiatives diverting girls away from incarceration and into community. And so we do a lot of things. One of the things we're doing, which is what you're you're mentioning, is the Fashion for Social Change initiative. And what we're seeking to do with that initiative is facilitate entrepreneurship and leadership development skills amongst girls of color to develop socially conscious products. And the strategy for us is it's a three-pronged strategy to build skills that no one can take away from these girls that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise. They will always have that. Two, to create a sustainable income for our organization's racial justice work and to create really great college scholarships and stipends and resource opportunities for the participants, and then three, to raise public awareness about the issues that girls care the most about. Just to give a quick example, at Black Girls Design Camp this past February, the girls designed a shirt that says, made by a young Black girl. The whole purpose behind that shirt was to address cultural appropriation. The girls were very concerned about the fact that all of these African-inspired, black girl-inspired products are out in the world, but one, there's never credit given to the people who created this culture. The people who created it are not receiving the income and the profits and the resourcing from their own ideas, artistry and, and creative brilliance. The girls were like, you know what? If we put Made by a Young Black Girl on the shirt, no one will ever be able to take this away from us. That in and of itself is—it's a public awareness campaign. You know, it's a conversation tool. It's a kitchen table conversation. Let's talk about cultural appropriation tonight over over our pasta and wine or whatever we're drinking, right? So, like, I think that that's the part of what the work is, and what we're looking to do is partner with large retailers who are interested in supporting with the design. For sure, we would love to be able to partner with a large retailer who wants to. You know, dispatch an interested designer from their, from their team to work with our girls in a, det- a detention facility or in community um, to help them design something that is marketable to the market that they choose. And then to help us with production and sales and kick the profits back into our work. That's really um, the model that we're playing around with, refining. A part of it is about, as a nonprofit leader, we have to be really smart about diversifying our revenue streams. We can't just rely on you know, donations and also um, philanthropic dollars because donors change their, their direction of the money they give. Philanthropy changes its direction and then it leaves organizations like ours in a lurch. So we're also, we're also thinking about um, full transparency for the CEO community. You know, We're thinking about what are creative ways that we can diversify our revenue, our revenue streams while also like centering the girls all the while. This is a strategy to to try to
1: do that. I just find this phrase really powerful, building skills that can't be taken away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous. Thank you for doing this work. And I, so let's just get audacious here for a minute. (laughs) Dream customers, like dream partners for you. Who would those large retailers be? Let's hit them up. Let's have our (laughs) listeners say, I know somebody there, I'll help. Like, let's put it out there. Who would the girls
0: love to be working with? Yeah, I think there are some Black brands they would love to be, Black-owned brands they would love to be working with, like Beyonce's brand um, is one of them for sure. They really admire the work of Ivy Park. And so that would be incredible. We think about brands that aren't really, the market isn't necessarily Black, Folks, but that are interested in doing socially conscious work. Like I really admire the work of J. Crew. Um, I've named them a couple times in the CEO space. I've seen the partnerships they're doing in community. I admire that work. I think also about a brand like Target. Target is a brand where that where lots of folks shop, including Black folks. Target is also really seeking to do some socially conscious retail work, and so we really we admire their work as well. So those are the ones that come up top of mind.
1: You are on notice, Beyonce, Ivy Park, Jake, and Target. We are coming for you. This is absolutely amazing work. And I just, I, I did a lot of work with youth in my early days of entrepreneurship. And, and one of the things that's just so amazing is to take an idea that you have and put it out there in the world and see that you have the power to do that. its It literally is something you can never take away from people. And it just becomes this thing that you want. Like that's, there's freedom in that, right? Recognizing that you see something, you wanna go create change around it. It feel, fills the soul. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this work in the world. And I wonder, as you as you're building this organization, we had a conversation last week around like some of the changes that are going on in philanthropy and how people are moving away from funding organizations like yours, which to me feels like what world are they living in if they're walking away from funding all these injustices that are existing? I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the restrictions that exist, the rules attached to funding for the work that you do and how they need to change. Yeah, Wow. How they stop you from innovating. I know it's a gigantic question. Maybe this will be our next podcast. I
0: love it. I love this question so much, Vicki. It's something I'm thinking about all of the time. I appreciate the question the first thing is folks in the philanthropic space are giving. So Soul Sisters is blessed in that we have attracted some of the most progressive funding philanthropists out there and foundations out there because of the nature of our work. In progressive philanthropy, folks are thinking about general operating support. So funds that are not tied to specific outcomes, but just funding organizations to do what they do. Folks are thinking about multi-year support. So please don't offer us one year of funding that does not help us because then we're scrambling to figure out how to meet the gap the very next year, which comes on as, as entrepreneurs know, like so fast. And then folks are thinking about really easy reporting, making it very, very simple for especially grassroots groups to report on how they use the funds, not to give us a pass in terms of financial Management and sound financial management systems because everyone needs to have that. We're accountable for how we use those funds, but to make it so that we don't have to write ten-page papers every time it's time to report on a twenty-five thousand-dollar grant, like it's not, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous and how and how that takes us away from the work and from the freedom to innovate because we're at our computer typing about every little thing that we did um, with the, with the dollars. Those actions of philanthropy are really helpful. I think the big work that philanthropy needs to do is somewhat about practices, for sure, making it easier to apply, making it so that people with disabilities, that people really at the grassroots who, frankly, to be honest, Vicky, some of our sisters and siblings in the trans community who are doing this work have been in and out of prison their whole lives and um, have had their education interrupted. And so may not be able to sit down at a laptop and type out a 10 page application. So we've seen funders experimenting with doing video applications where people can, you know, submit their application via video because we're assuming literacy and we're assuming tech savvy that frankly, because of the injustices, racism, poverty, all those things, our people don't have that, but they're leading really powerful work in their communities. So like there are some things about process that are important to have equitable funding for sure. But but what I was getting ready to say is the big work that philanthropy has to do is in organizing other philanthropists to understand the importance of undoing this current system so that we can actually innovate. For putting philanthropists' feet to the fire around what it means to make long-term commitments to this work, we've had hundreds, we've had centuries of oppression thinking that we're going to create a 10-year project in philanthropy and fund it and sunset it and we will have solved this violence is uh, it's preposterous. And it's it also, to be honest with you, it also perpetuates like some racist ideas. Like, oh, we, like, like Black women have to put our super people capes on. <laughs> um, we're going to solve all of the problems. That's not, that, that frankly, white folks created and white supremacy as a system continues to prop up and patriarchy and capitalism, et cetera. I think the work for philanthropy is about understanding and really deepening their commitment and then also partnering, 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 partnering with people who know the work, who are doing the work every day. Because some, I mean, I just had this experience with the philanthropist, the philanthropic body, a foundation, you know, is launching a racial equity fund as a result of what's been happening with social unrest. And they're just like, we're going to be launching a fund. We're going to let you all know what the strategy is. How? how are you all, all of a sudden, experts in racial equity? <laughs> you know, and what, well, like, why wouldn't you think to, instead of just kind of showing up with a $5,000 check, why wouldn't you think to come to the groups and say, with humility, and say, we actually don't know. Is it okay if we create a table? Would you join us and, and help us figure out how to do this? The way that money operates, um, this is the last thing I'll say, is because in this country money equals power, I think people forget people who have access to money resources, they devalue the brilliance and the resource of people who have been doing the work. And that is a, hu- a huge misstep. So, that, those are the thoughts that come to mind. I've been doing um, a
1: series with one of our activators around the rules attached to funding and how they're just keeping the system and the structures in place, the existing rules, and how we have to transform those. And to your point, not only do they need to partner, with organizations like yours to figure out a path forward, but they need to pay you to be at the table to design it with them, right? Like, hello. I mean, (laughs) oh my God, I I just feel like this is going to be a theme that I'm um, really going to be focused on for the next little while because the outcomes that you get with your organization and the work you're doing is what people want. And then they give you rules and a structure that blocks you from actually doing the work and they don't understand that. And most people don't take the time to articulate why that like why your rules are stopping us from doing this work or maybe you say it and it's not being heard this happened to us recently too it was like someone's like oh we just love what you've done in 5 years you know how do we get more of that and i'm like well you might notice that we didn't take any of your money that's how we got here because your money would have stopped us from doing this work you have to have unrestricted capital to create the innovation forward you have to to see a sea of unrestricted capital coming going you're the expert okumi you know what you're doing. You know your community. We trust you. That's it. Here you go, right? That's a. That may have seemed really
0: strange six months ago. This is our new world. This is what we need to start doing. We trust you. That's it. 100%. And you know, it's funny. There's a hashtag that comes out of the reproductive justice movement, hashtag trust Black women. And that's what you're making me think of, um, Vicky, that where's the where's the trust for people in community? And, I, and last thing I say, because I don't, I don't want to end on this front, but we talk about how big the resources are of some of these philanthropic bodies. You will have so much. What is with the level of control that you want to have over the 5% of your wealth that you're giving out to groups like ours?
1: And I think that many people don't even realize they're doing that. It's just like, that's what you do with funding. I'm like, well, what if you didn't? What if there was another way? So anyway, I thank you so much for your time today, for the work that you're doing. How can people find you and what do you need?
0: Yes, um, so you can find us on www.soulsistersleadership.org. Also, we're pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook, we're at Soul Sisters Leadership Collective and Instagram at LEAD, L-E-A-D, Soul Sisters. And right now, what we need is for folks to, contribute into our crowdfunding campaign that's specifically for our Fashion for Social Change project. We're raising $15,000. We're at about $2,000. I will put the link on our website so that folks can access
1: it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for all you do. And we'll be back to speak more in the future, I hope. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the CEO World podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about SheEO, please visit us at sheeo.world. That's S-H-E-E-O.world.